listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the big, 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 big program. Even though it looks like it's March outside, it is not. It is June, and Doug Ford... A new day has dawned in Ontario! We are going to be talking about Doug Ford coming up. Also, we're going to be talking about a seismic shift in the way telecoms market data plans to you. It's unlimited data, so they say, but really, is it? We're going to unravel the new spin from Rogers and Bell about what unlimited really means for you and whether you can save a few bucks on your data bill, on that cell phone bill that stings every single month. An extraordinary story is coming out of Queen's Park in advance of an expected cabinet shuffle. Quote, there is a culture of fear. It is like the KGB. That is how one MPP describes working in the Doug Ford government. A tale of tears and woe for a premier sinking in the polls and searching for some good news. Travis Danrash is going to join us at 20 minutes after the hour to talk about what's coming in terms of a shuffle and whether or not Dean French is fried. Ending the war on the car was a central plank of the late Rob Ford's mayoral agenda. He removed bike lanes, reoriented transit priorities towards drivers. John Tory has changed much of that. Look at the success of the King Street pilot project. No longer just a pilot, but missiles are now in the air, making that permanent. But what is the rest of the world doing? At the bottom of our hour... I like the bottom of the hour. At the bottom of the hour, we look at what eight major world cities are doing to reduce congestion and air pollution from cars. You will be surprised to hear what some of these big cities are doing. And ask yourself, are we on the right side of progress when it comes to planning and executing a 21st century city? But let's begin, shall we, with this. The nervousness is beginning to set in, is it not, as we count down the hours to Game 6. And as much as this city wants to celebrate, the reality of the situation is... Not until the fat lady sings. That is right. We must win one more. One more. One more win. Can we take it in Oracle tonight? That is one of the questions that we'll be talking about, but let's talk about Kevin Durant, who you may have heard that yesterday he underwent surgery for his torn Achilles. He posted a video to Instagram, and his mother, Wanda Durant, talked about speaking to her son after he was finished his surgery, and she reacted here to a story that I'm really hoping we don't have to talk about too much more. And that is the reaction that fans had in Toronto when Kevin Durant went down. Here is the mother of Kevin Durant, Wanda Durant. When I heard about it, I was really hurt. Um, Kind of disappointed that that was the first heart after something so horrific. But because of the uh, players in Toronto, Kyrie and Ibaka, who I love very much, and our dear sons of mine as well, Mm. um, they calmed them down. And and they quickly kind of reverted. And so I was pleased with that. So all is forgiven. Thank you. Thank you, Wanda Durant, for that. Can we just leave this behind? Enough pillaring of Toronto fans. 
it was not what people are making it out to be. It was a couple of seconds. Sure, people are people want to win, and there were chants of KD, as you heard Wanda Durant talking about and how things turned around. What's gonna what is it gonna be like in Oakland tonight at Oracle? Well, here's a bit of a preview of what's gonna happen in their stadium. Sarah, Sarah. All right, I'm no singer. I'm no singer, Sarah McLachlan. She's going to sing the uh, national anthem. That was Sarah McLachlan singing the national anthem at the 2014 Heritage Classic. Love her. Love Sarah, but maybe, I don't know, auto-tune? Is auto-tune out of the question for (laughs) for a national anthem? So this is also what it's going to sound like in Oakland. At Oracle tonight. What you're listening to there are fans cheering on a plane to Oakland that our Jeff Semple was on to uh, cover the game. He flew over yesterday, flew down yesterday. And of course, a ton of Raptors fans on that plane. There will be a ton of Raptors fans in the stadium. And I can tell you from covering games three and four, that as the play goes on, especially when the Raptors were leading, you could hear chants of, you know, let's go Raptors coming from the stands in Oracle. And then the Warriors fans had to kind of chant to drown them out. Let's get our, our ourselves centered, shall we? Let's get to the emotional center. And for that, uh, Dr. Leonard, how do we deal with this game? Just wanting to win. That's right. That is Kawhi Leonard. I just want to win. You know, Kawhi is everything to this team. Dr. Kawhi. Oh, this happened at Jurassic Park this morning. Let's let's hit a little raptor foot, shall we? Raptor foot. 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 That seems like something you'd need a cream for. Maybe some sort of a tincture would help with that. John Tory down there trying to dance. Uh, did you see the video of that? John Tory, God bless you. It's painful. You have no rhythm. No rhythm whatsoever. Welcome to Jurassic Park. All right, let's take you live to Jurassic Park. And Priya Sam, who is a global news reporter, is live in Jurassic Park. And I'm just going to guess that you might be getting a little uh, raptor foot if you stay out in the rain too much longer. <laughs> I think that would be an accurate statement. I along with all of the people here and soaking wet. But the nice thing for me is I've had somewhere to uh, go and warm up. But a lot of the people who came here sort of overnight, they brought with them tents and tarps. Um, they're staying relatively dry, but I would say 90% of the, uh, about 250 people who are here right now do not have uh, the proper coverings and just have ponchos and umbrellas. And uh, we're, we're all soaking wet right now. Ah, the raptor foot. You know what? You just can we go back to Kawhi? Here's what you got to do. You just go. This is what you got to think about. Just wanting to win. Just, just think that. Just want to win. What are the people saying there that are so soaked, Priya? So early this morning, I feel like it was a little bit quieter here than it was at this at that time on Monday. Uh, But since then, uh, you played a little bit of the music that was here earlier. That sort of livened things up a bit. There was also a break in the rain, so people were chanting and cheering then. 
Um, and you know what? I think the mood here is optimism, but I think that everyone is with Kawhi. Let's just get this done tonight. And I've been asking people, you know, do you wish they would win here? You know, I mean, no one wants them to lose tonight, of course, but a game seven would be back here. Um, but everyone says, you know what? It doesn't matter where they win. We're going to have a big party here uh, no matter what. So I think everyone's pretty happy if they get it done tonight, even if it's in Oakland. Priya Sam is a global news reporter. With us, and she's live in Jurassic Park. Priya, thanks so much for being on the program. Anytime. So, there you have it. little rain soaked, a little bit of a raptor foot setting in, but it's all good because we're centered, we're emotionally calm, and everything is good. And Doug Ford? A new day has dawned in Ontario! This here is a fresh start. It's a new day for a brave heart. If you're ready... If you're ready, we could be a part of something. Our future is untold, need to break free, gotta be bold. Are you ready? Are you ready? We could be a part of something. In Vulcan, Alberta, a woman has been charged after she allegedly tried to mail a puppy and a kitten via Canada Post. Vulcan County Enforcement Services says last month a post office employee in the village of Milo, which is about 100 kilometers southeast of Calgary, discovered the animals crammed into a cardboard box. Now, the box had appropriate postage, a destination address. The animals themselves had stamps stuck to their heads. The next week, a similar box was dropped off at a mail outlet and staff found a puppy. Inside, the three animals were unharmed and were taken to the Calgary Humane Society. Jill Marshall is a 53-year-old resident of the area of Vulcan County, and she's going to be in Lethbridge Provincial Court July 30th, charged with causing animals to be in distress, however lauded for the correct postage. Nice job on the postage, Jill. You win some, you lose some. Speaking of losing some, can we talk about this extraordinary story by Rob Benzie in the Toronto Star, where he lifts the veil on what is going on inside the Ford government and inside the Ford caucus. It is widely expected that Ford is about to shuffle his cabinet, and Travis Danrash is going to join us in just a moment to talk about what we would expect to happen within the cabinet. But there was a meeting on Friday, a caucus meeting, where Ford, according to Rob Benzie and his sources, said MPPs should be treated with respect and said that to a room that did not include his powerful chief of staff, Dean French. And that is significant because there have been multiple stories about the controlling nature of Dean French. Mr. Benzie goes on to write, Sources say that a rookie suburban MPP broke down in tears after being scolded by Dean French outside an airport hotel on Thursday, This the day before this meeting. And this happened in front of the Premier, other MPPs, and staffers. 
The chief of staff admonished her for complaining directly to Ford about the government's communication strategy instead of broaching it through proper channels. Quote, she couldn't stop crying, unquote, said a PC source, speaking on condition of anonymity. After French went back inside the hotel, and as the suburban member continued to weep, the Toronto MPP explained to Ford that Tories feel like they're living in the former Soviet Union, with secret police monitoring their every move. Quote, there's a culture of fear. It's like the KGB, the Premier was reportedly told by the MPP. This from a story from Rob Benzie in the Toronto Star. MPPs are treated as if they're lower than the staff, said this disgruntled MPP to the Premier. And if you think perhaps that these are just simply unnamed sources and, well, whatever, listen to this from Larissa Waller, who is the Premier's Executive Director of Communications, who confirmed that there was indeed an incident between Dean French and this unnamed suburban MPP. Quote, from the Premier's office. Last week, following a caucus meeting, a member expressed that she felt she was singled out for voicing her opinion. This misunderstanding was regrettable, given both the Premier and his Chief of Staff have an open-door policy and hold the strong belief that all members of caucus should be encouraged to share their thoughts with them and the caucus at any time. Subsequent to that meeting, the Premier's Chief of Staff spoke again with the member. He apologized. They had an excellent conversation. What does this all mean for the Ford government? I am tired of the fighting, and I am tired of things being so adversarial, is apparently what Ford said to his caucus. How will he fix it? Can it be fixed? Does it need to be fixed? A new day has dawned in Ontario! Travis Danrej is our Queen's Park Bureau Chief and joins me on the line. Hi, Travis. Hey there, how are you? What a story. Uh, and this this really lines up with reporting that you've done and reporting that we've seen about Dean French and the disgruntled nature of PC MPPs. So, so I talked to that MPP on the phone yesterday to see if I could get comments because um, it's kind of known within uh, media circles and within the party who, who this person is. Uh, she did not have comment, uh, but in speaking to my sources, you know, what they told me is essentially one of her main complaints was the fact that some people are in the loop when it comes to changes. Uh, that are coming, and when it comes to policy, uh, and just in general what the government is doing, and then there are others uh, like her that aren't. And and this is even within the MPPs, within PAs, within the ministries. Uh, there are some staff that are in the know, there are others that are kept in the dark, and, and this particular MPP feels as though she is being treated unfairly because she doesn't know on next week, what is going to be happening with the cabinet shuffle. And, of course, there's a lot of speculation on that. I mean, everyone is talking about who could be moving where. And uh, I I have been told that the premier hasn't made any final decisions, but there are certainly uh, some things that he's thinking about in terms of who is going to be shifted. We'll get to the cabinet shuffle and who's going where in just a moment. Let's talk about Dean French. Is he done? No, he is not done. Uh, And and that, that... 
is what I have heard from multiple sources. I mean, the premier feels as though this is something that he need, needed to address in caucus. It, it, it is kind of, though, like good cop, bad cop. And I, I was told by one source yesterday, the premier can't be bad cop to caucus. He's just is not capable of doing that. And so he needs a bad cop. Uh, and that is Dean French, who is, you know, was. Uh, according to all of my sources, the enforcer. But everything that I know about Doug Ford tells me that he needs adulation. He needs he, he he bristles, I believe, at these polls. And I think that's your experience too. Would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. And we talked about this on Focus Ontario a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that that he, you know, he really his brand is built on. For the people, uh, you know, a man of the people. You look at Ford Fest, which is happening next weekend. It's branded as Canada's biggest barbecue, where everyone is welcome, even though, you know, they have the right to refuse entry. Now that's a, a little asterisk on the invitation this year. Uh, but but he, he does take this stuff personally. And, and so when it comes to caucus, it's even more personal. But we have seen, you know, there be a lot of leaks out of caucus, and they're trying to clamp down on those leaks. And so I feel within the premier's office, and particularly uh, with the chief of staff, Dean French, there are people uh, and PAs and MPPs and ministers that he feels like he can trust, and there are others that don't, and that is how the information flows. There has been some thought, and, and Mr. Benzie raises it in his um, story about uh, dissatisfaction with the rollout of the communications plan from the budget. It has been a disaster, a mitigated disaster. There's no question. If they had just put uh, something in there that said, here's all the changes that we're making, it would have been a, a story that was over and done within a week. Instead, it's dribbled out. And so is here's my question. Is Vic in jeopardy here? Is it possible that Peter Bethland Falvey could take his position? So, so what I am hearing, and again, I, I'm going to say all of this, we're going to discuss next with the caveat that uh, it hasn't happened yet. A lot can happen in a week's time. If it happens in a week, I'm hearing Tuesday, Wednesday, but the Premier has not made any final decisions. But I am told that he is being advised to move Vic Fidelli out of finance, which would be a huge blow to Fidelli. And it is exactly the reason that you said, Alan, because it is essentially, you know, what his advisors are saying to the premier is that it's death by a thousand cuts, that there should have been a section in the budget that went through all the cuts so it was there, crystal clear, and we didn't have this kind of drip every single day, every single week of, of another cut, and that's another hit at the government. So... I am hearing what they are thinking about is merging some ministries to create kind of a, a King of the North ministry that uh, Victor Deli would be in charge of. Of course, he has very close connections to uh, the North, to the mayor of North Bay. Uh, and then Peter Bethenfalvey would be the Treasury Board president. Uh, and then I, I've heard, or sorry, the, uh, the finance minister, and I've heard that Rod Phillips may be moved into Treasury Board President. I've also heard that he might take on the education portfolio. That would be extraordinary. I cannot understate what a retreat it would be for Vic Fidelity to get moved out of finance. But I'm hearing as well, uh, just you know, on the flip side of that, that, the Premier is very hesitant to do that. A lot of people around him are telling him to do that, and he he doesn't feel as though 
uh, he wants to do that at this point, and they're trying to shift him in that direction. Now, um, there was a lot of speculation that the cabinet shuffle would be this week, this past Tuesday. Vic Fideli, uh, for the audience, is over in Europe right now trying to drum up uh, worldwide business for Ontario. He is not back until next week. So now the speculation is Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, because some announcements have been cancelled in and around that time. And, and, you know, when I was talking to uh, a source within the Premier's office, yeah, I was asking them about this past Tuesday, and they kind of let flip out, well, Dick has to be back. So <laughs> that gives you an indication that this is pretty imminent, the shuffle. And we're almost out of time, but quickly, the, the one other name everyone will be looking for is Christine Elliott and whether she stays in health. So uh, I am hearing that the Ministry of Health is going to be broken up, as will, you know, the speculation is that social services, children, community, and social services will be broken up as well. So long-term care uh, could be given uh, to an, another minister, uh, and then health would stay with her. There's been speculation as well. You know, uh, and again, it, it kind of sometimes is broken telephone. And you don't really know what's going to happen until this actual shuffle happens. Yeah, but that's the. Old, I mean, that's the old saying with shuffles: is that anybody tells you that they know it beforehand is. But, and that's it, right? And yeah. it's just a wild. Uh, everyone's saying, you know, uh, that she's done. She feels as though she's kind of been thrown under the bus with a lot of these cuts and that she's had to make these announcements. So so we'll see what happens if she stays in. Now, the other two things that I'm hearing um, really quickly is that there are going to be some newcomers. Stephen Lecce, who is uh, King Vaughn MPP. He's also PA to Premier Ford and Infrastructure Minister Monty McNaughton, and also was uh, Prime Minister Harper's, uh, he was in communications for him. He, I'm, I'm told, is going to be coming in uh, in a, a role as a minister. Yes, he's been really active and very visible. He's been on Focus Ontario, which is unusual for, like, they put him up for everything now. They really do trust him with comms. All right, that's Travis Danraj, who is our Queen's Park Bureau Chief and a man in the know. Thanks, Travis. No problem. Yeah, let's go, Raptors. Let's get it done in Game 6. But as we know, you know, maybe we're just a little overconfident as fans going into Game 5. We still have one more to win. Not until the fat lady sings. That's right. When that fat lady starts belting out a song, we know we have the champion. Can you say fat lady anymore? I don't think you can say that. I don't I don't think that's... I'm probably... The CRTC is being called. Uh, let's take you to Jackson, New Jersey, where a theme park has now announced that its massive solar farm is now fully operational and provides enough power for nearly all of the park's needs. The Asbury Park Press reporting that the solar panels at Six Flags Great Adventure in Jackson are installed across 40 acres and over three parking lots, and now doesn't take much power to run that fun park. In Berlin, researchers have calculated that the amount of electricity required for the virtual currency Bitcoin actually generates as much carbon dioxide as a city like Las Vegas. I don't know if you know this, but this whole Bitcoin thing, which is incredibly complicated, it's much more complicated than the Internet, which is just a series of tubes. 
But this whole Bitcoin thing, they have to be mined by these computers, which take up an enormous amount of electricity. And keeping with the idea of reducing carbon footprint and reducing air pollution, let's take a look at what other cities in the world are doing when it comes to cars. Did you know that air pollution kills more people than smoking now? And one of the major ways for cities to tackle climate change is just simply to reduce cars and reduce vehicle congestion. We have this sort of fight within ourselves here in Toronto about this. Remember when Toronto wanted to be a world-class city? I remember this in the 80s and the 90s. We were obsessed with New York and being world-class. Well, let's talk about world-class and 21st century planning in terms of congestion. In Oslo, the city center... Former parking spaces on the street have now been transformed into bike lanes, benches, tiny parks. By the beginning of this year, the city will finish a process of removing 700 parking spaces as a way to incentivize people not to drive in the area. And then they add charging stations for electric cars, more parking for drivers who are disabled. At the same time, Oslo is improving its public transit and making it easier to bike in Buenos Aires on a massive boulevard there that used to have 20 lanes of traffic. The center of the road is now dedicated entirely to buses. And when the city made that change a few years ago, commuting times shrank dramatically. Buses also no longer needed to be used on the crowded side streets that freed up about 100 blocks to become fully pedestrianized, or pedestrian priority zones where cars are restricted and limited to a very slow speed. At busy intersections, paint and planters have helped to reshape the streets to make it safer for pedestrians using the same kind of tactical urbanism that has been used in cities like Boston for new changes. In London, as the city grows, an extra 100,000 people are going to be able to move or have to move into what's known as the square mile in the center of the city. And, of course, you know that London started the whole pioneer uh, idea of a congestion charge. That was way back in 2003. Still, London is pushing ahead to make more streets car-free or pedestrian priority, meaning that cars and even bikes have to yield to people on foot. In Seoul, Korea, in the first year after the city finished converting a highway overpass to a high-line-like pedestrian pathway, 10 million people have used that path and businesses improved in the area. Sales increased 42%. Let's move quickly to Toronto now. I could keep going on. I have notes about Madrid, Beijing, and Paris. But I want to bring in Nancy Smith-Lee, who is the director of the Center for Active Transportation, to tell us about where Toronto sits when we talk about those other cities. Hi, Nancy. Hey, Alan. How are you doing? I'm great. Where do we rank in terms of those cities that I just talked about? Oh, boy. Well, you've, you uh, picked some just amazing examples of global cities that are moving much more quickly and boldly to, you know, transform cities to reclaim space from cars. You know, North American cities, we're not moving quite as quickly, um, but we are moving in that direction. Um, and one of the things that we've seen that's been really successful here in Toronto and in other cities like in New York City um, is is using pilot projects to really help um, to help help people imagine um, and actually live what the change could look like because I think it's really hard for people to kind of imagine it's like oh well these things happen in Europe you know we're different here 
Um, so I think it's the, you know, using pilot projects and like you mentioned, tactical urbanism, these are all really good ways that we can get people used to the idea of actually changing the way that we um, build our streets. Because in the short term, drivers in the majority ears hearing my voice and your voice are going to be in a car right now. And those changes have impacts to drivers that they do not like. And somehow we must be able to communicate that there is uh, a benefit for them as well. Yeah, there absolutely is, and and I and I recognize that it's it's a you know a difficult transition for many people, and and again, it's partly because it just seems, I think, for a lot of people, it just seems like this is madness. What are you talking about? The streets are already congested. How could we possibly take more space away from cars and have that actually be um, a success? Um, but in fact, like you know, the examples that you've that you've mentioned, like everywhere around the world, we've seen that when we do this. It, the the the, um, the outcomes are just incredible, and you know we, we both in terms of of you know emissions, which is incredibly important, but also in terms of safety. Um, and you know we have here in Toronto we have a Vision Zero plan. The idea is that no one no one everybody should get home alive. No one should be uh, killed in in traffic. And and we have this Vision Zero plan, but we're moving quite slowly to achieve it. And so we we you know I think that there's I think that everybody can get on board with that idea that that we should all um, we should all be able to get home alive at the end of the day, and I think that's one of the ways that we can that um, we can all be on get on the same page around this issue. Nancy Smith is the director at the Center for Active Transportation and talking to me about moving this city forward into the 21st century when it comes to cars. Thank you so much for being on the program. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. What does unlimited mean to you? Well, the big telecoms in this country want you to buy their new unlimited plans. News this morning that Bell is going to match what Rogers announced yesterday, which is a new way to market to you data plans for your phone. Do you uh, suffer from overage fees? You know, it's estimated that uh, Canadians spend a lot of money. $55 per gigabyte on overage fees in 2017. That's according to the CRTC. So we pay, and we pay a lot, and it bothers people. So now what Rogers and Bell have done is they are going to offer a unlimited data bucket. What's that mean? Well, it comes with a bit of a catch. For $75 a month, both of the major carriers announcing they will do this. You're going to get 10 gigabytes for the month. And you just go nuts with your 10 gigabytes. You download all your, you watch your Downton Abbey's beginning to end. And then you realize, well, wait a second, that just chewed up all of my, uh, my 10 gigabytes. But hey, no problem. I got an unlimited plan. I bought that, that unlimited plan. I'm unlimited, right? Well, no. Because what happens after your 10 gigs is that your surfing, your browsing speeds, get throttled back. That doesn't sound like much fun. 
Shruti Shakar is a reporter for Mobile Syrup who knows this file so well. Shruti, hello. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So what does this mean, unlimited? There are other places that they have this sort of thing. Why is it coming now to Canada? Well, honestly, I mean, I think it's about time that it's come into Canada, and it's coming at a very interesting time because the CRTC um, recently launched back in February uh, a wireless review, just looking at the state of wireless services and whether or not there's enough competition, whether or not affordability is, is being taken into consideration. Um, and so, you know, Rogers has put out this this plan, and now Bell has decided to match it. And I'm going to also add another carrier, TELUS, has also put out their version of a promotion uh, similar to, to Rogers and Bell. And so I... I think for a very long time, um, the CRTC and Canadians have really been pressurizing the big three and other carriers as well for better prices um, because our phone bills are just crazy. They're insane. There are studies that have shown that Canadian consumers pay some of the highest wireless rates in the developed world, but we get something for those high rates, don't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, uh, like we do get better services, we get better coverage. You know, part of the reason for why Rogers is even doing this plan is because they're trying to, uh, you know, be ready for when 5G comes into effect. And that, you know, as we know, isn't fully available yet. It's not going to happen until 2021, 2022. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be some time, but Rogers wants people to enjoy good networks, good speeds. And so that, you know, when, you ha- when you're using a lot of data, you're basically using the network. And so that's where the money goes. And so that's what, they- but now Rogers is saying, you know, hey, here, here's something for you. Bottom line, does this lower the cost for the average consumer? Listen, it, it does. Um, I spoke with the president of wireless services today at Rogers, and he was saying to me that, you know, the average consumer uses about three-ish gigabytes of data per month. So if we're, if we're going to look at that statistic, it, this would totally be valuable because, you know, you have 10 gigabytes of data, $75. That's great. I, I mean, as an average user, if I'm just going to be listening to Spotify or Apple Music or just watching a show on YouTube. I, you know. I recommend a certain <laughs> podcast. It's the Alan Carter Radio Show. It's available on all your regular platforms. There you go. You can listen to the show and you would be fine. But, you know, for a consumer who maybe is on the via, you know, watching a Netflix show, God knows how much data you're going to run through. So, I mean, I want to say that this is a great deal. It is It is a great deal. I'm, I won't deny that. It's a great, great deal. But I think we're really going to have to see how consumers are going to consumers are going to be using that data, and as well as when 5G comes into effect, you know, how much more data are we going to be using? I think that's where we'll see whether or not this deal is going to be great. Shorty Shikari is a reporter for Mobile Syrup, explaining a complicated but so important uh, story to us about uh, how much we're all going to have to pay for our cell phones. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. Now, a little time for some... Rip and read. Now, if you listen to the program, you know what we do here. This is what we do is we get some wire copies, some news stories. I've never seen them before. I read them ice cold. I never, I have not seen these. I'm going to read them now with no preparation. Do not try this at home. Hit me with a beat. Thank you. A young mother from Scotland is blaming her life woes on her enormous breasts and wants financial help to do something about it. Natalie Donan, 
A 21-year-old says her breasts grew eight cup sizes after she gave birth to her daughter last October, leading to crippling back pain that prevents her from walking long distances or working out at the gym. She told the UK's Daily Mail she has to deal with severe back pain, can't find a bra that fits, has sores on her chest. In the hope of having breast reduction surgery done, the waiting list, she says, is too young, long. So she's got a GoFundMe now account looking for financial support for smaller breasts. <clears throat> Minnesota boy, four, takes great-grandfather's vehicle for joyride after craving candy. A four-year-old Minnesota, Minnesota boy, boo, with a hankering for candy. Couldn't wait for the treats. Borrowed his great-grandpa's car. The Blaine Police Department said the incident happened at 8.30 a.m. The boy got behind the wheel of his grandfather's Hyundai Santa Fe. Took off. I've never seen a driver this young operating a vehicle before. One more. Rippin' and readin'. British auction house Sotheby's plans to sell on Tuesday what it says is a substantial lock of Ludwig van Beethoven's hair. The German composer himself cut it off and gave it to a pianist friend in 1826. How much for Beethoven's hair? It's expected to bring in $25,000. That's a lot of arias. My name is Alan Carter. Go Raptors! Join us tonight on Global News. We're going to be there live in Jurassic Park beginning at 5.30. Simulcast on this radio station at 6. And then post-game, join us for the celebration. It ain't over yet, folks. But it's going to be over. Cue up the big boned woman. Not until the fat lady sings. Rata foot, 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 rata foot